Well, I'm Dr. Tiffany McKinnon-Russell. I'm a former member of Corporate America, turned homeschooling mom, entrepreneur, and author. And I have been married to my best friend, who is also an entrepreneur and actually introduced me to an entrepreneurial lifestyle, um, Greg, for almost 11 years. Yeah, it'll be 11 years in October. And we have one firecracker of a little girl named Sydney. She's seven and she keeps us super, super busy. Um, and I help moms teach their children with confidence, clarity, and creativity. So yeah. whether you're a homeschooling mom or whether your children are in um, a traditional learning environment, I help moms learn how to support their, their children in their personal and um, academic growth. Well, I'm naturally an introvert. And I tend to do things by myself. But um, this entrepreneurial journey, uh, life journey in general, has taught me that um, there are times where you can do things on your own, but um, there are some spaces where you must have that support. And um, I just, I needed a space that I felt like I would be able to get that support and an objective view at the same time uh-huh. um, to, to really help me process some things. And um, in talking to you about this space, I felt like I, I'm a, I also work off my gut. So when I feel something in my gut, it's uh-huh. like, okay, you have to do it. And um, as when I talked to you about the space and what it would, what your vision was for it and what your heart was for it, I just, I felt like that's the space I need to be in this is what I need, and this is the space that's going to give it to me. You have all of these thoughts, these ideas, these things, and I would think myself into this stagnant place Mm. and kind of talk myself out of things because the only person I was bouncing anything off of was myself. Mm. And um, so that's how I would describe myself. I was an overthinker stuck in neutral. I had lots of great ideas, but they were all up here. Mm -hmm. Lots of things that I wanted to to work through, but I was only working through them with myself. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, I would typically kind of talk myself out of it Mm -hmm. and then just kind of move on. (laughs) Uh, The biggest lesson that I learned is consistency. Mm. You have to be consistent. Um, You have to be consistent in showing up. Mm-hmm. You have to be consistent in your planning. If it's, if it's with your business, your planning, your research, your testing. If it's in your home, you have to be consistent in um, if there's some things that you set forth that you want your family to experience or you want your, the atmosphere in your home to be mm-hmm. like. You have to be consistent about making sure that you're doing those things that are um, building up your family and building up your home and supporting your own well-being. I would say, first of all, get out of your head. <laughs> Fill out the application and find out more information for yourself. Mom, it's time for your business, family, and self-care to all finally balance. I'm Deanna Mason, creator of Refresh Moms, and I'm now accepting applications for round two of my Balanced Life Business Mastermind for Moms. Listen, if you're ready to scale your business at a pace that matches and aligns with your current momming season, have a tribe of moms to confide in and lean on while you grow your business this year, know how to manage your family business and self-care without feelings of overwhelm, create your dream schedule and calendar, and actually live it out. Start prioritizing business activities that result in growth and revenue generation so that you can make the money you desire within the time you have to make it. If any of that resonates, then this mastermind experience was created exactly for you. 
In our nine months working closely together, you'll receive a nine-month business and productivity mastermind program, mentorship teaching sessions from other successful business moms and entrepreneurs that want to see you succeed and shine, monthly office hours coaching sessions with me so you can ask targeted questions about your unique business, co-working opportunities with your fellow mompreneurs to knock out focus work, your very own self-care manager to meet with every single month, and mindset sessions to help you grow and create the thinking needed so you can step into your greatness and surrender to your unique process and journey. It is not impossible for you to balance it all. I'm telling you, you can make the money you desire within the time you have in the Balanced Life Business Mastermind for Moms is committed to support you as you do it. You can complete an application by going to my website at refreshmoms.com. All applications are due by Friday, August 30th. Okay, so as of this recording, Nikki, my children start school tomorrow. Today is... um open house so we go and meet the teachers and my daughter is like nervous I was gonna say nerve sighted <laughs> she's not nerve sighted because she don't really want to go okay so she's like already still holding it against me that she's not homeschooling anymore and she's got to get up and go to school but I think this is going to help if she meets her teacher and hopefully a few classmates I hope mm-hmm. they're there but anyway I am not used to the preparation to send the kids to school because I've homeschooled it's a little bit different I'm used to spending you know a few hundred on the curriculum that's just normal our you know we always know that we got to re-up on curriculum everybody's starting a new grade sometimes there's a little bit of give because I have a child that's older and maybe I'm passing down textbooks to the younger you know but other than that no need to really go school shopping for clothes. We just buy clothes as needed because, you know, we're at home. We ain't going nowhere. So this year, school uniforms, which in my brain was going to be cheaper than buying clothes, but Mm-mm. I was wrong. I was wrong. School uniforms, school supplies, shoes. Both of my kids wear size eight and eight and a half. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I just bought my daughter a pair of five and a halfs in February. She is wearing an eight. What the heck? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, measure her again. There is no way this child is wearing a size eight. I wear a size eight. (laughs) That's good. You can start sharing shoes then. I guess so. I couldn't believe this. the, The size of their now my son's in ninth grade he's a little he's little but you know a boy in a size eight and a half that's not abnormal right but my daughter what what the world she grew two and a half sizes yeah two and a half sizes in five months oh my gosh so everybody needed new shoes and it's not like you just buy one pair because she can't wear anything <laughs> because all her shoes are fives and five and a half so she needs not just one pair of shoes she needs shoes because she nothing, fits. nothing that she can fit. We have spent so much money. It's now funny. It's me and my husband now walking to Target laughing like this is absolutely insane. 
Mm-hmm. What in the world? I cannot eat. I have never spent four figures <laughs> on school Holy prep, Nikki. I have never. <laughs> we crossed over four figures the other day. <laughs> now, do you have to supply them with like laptops or tablets for school? Like, is that no, a requirement? No. Oh, the school is not, um, they don't do tech. It's okay. like anti-tech, so they can't bring their cell phones. The only computer, um, the only reason why computers are used there is for like their AP computer class that the state makes them have to offer. Like they offer some high school computer classes, but that's mm-hmm. only because state is, is, as a charter school, they have certain state uh, regulations they have to adhere mm-hmm. to. And they, they do the minimum, they do what is required, but they don't, that it's a classical education school. So they're, they're like pen to pet paper, you know, they let the kids reading, type, writing and arithmetic. Yeah. They let the kids type their, you know, essays and papers, they can type them and double space them. But as far as everything else it's handwritten, you know, that's kind of their deal. But I just, and maybe in Kelly, I was talking to Kelly and she don't understand how I, how I spent that much. So I'm like, maybe I did something wrong. I don't really know. I can't explain it, but you know, uniforms for two kids alone, Mm -hmm. I had to re up basically on every, my daughter had zero uniform because this is her first year in school. And my hut, my son had to start over because he's now in high school and they have a different uniform than middle school. So I had to get all new, all new. And that by itself for two kids was like $500. Now, do you have to buy from a specific uniform store? Yes. Or is it more like, hey, yes. you have to wear khakis and a no, white shirt? No, we have to buy from their uniform store. Oh, of course. So, so there you go. We're not going to Old Navy for uniforms. We are like, we got to go to their uniform store and get their pants and their shirts logo because it has the logos on it and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous because I got my daughter's socks from Target without thinking because she wears the long knee socks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. are they going to send her home over socks? Because I didn't oh buy God. the socks from the uniform store because I assumed they don't really care what kind of socks they wear as far as the, as long as they're the color. But yeah. now I'm a little scared because I'm like, I bought them from Target. <laughs> so first of all, my kids don't go back for another month. We mm. go back after Labor Day, which nice. is normal where I am in the Pacific Northwest because for us, July and August is kind of our best weather. So that's always summer vacation mm. up here is July, August. So it's always weird when people go back early August. But my kids are three and eight. So my daughter, it's her first year going to preschool, which I'm super mm-hmm. excited about. And, you know, obviously I have to pay for that. And then my son's eight. But here's the thing. Back to school for me doesn't cost much because our school pays for all of the back to school supplies. I do not have to go shopping for pencils or erasers or pens or anything. They supply everything. Mm. Pretty amazing. They've been doing it for a few years. And I think part of it is we have a lot of lower income kids in our in our um, district. Um, there's a lot of kids who are in like free or reduced lunches and stuff. And I think the school just said, look, we have bulk purchasing power. And this way, everyone's got the same. We don't have to worry about not having the right pencil, the right folder. We're just buying it for everybody. Okay. And so I don't have to go back to school shopping. And then for clothes, I would always just like hop on oldlady.com or whatever. I've since gotten smarter because I have an amazing, wonderful nanny. Her name is Casey. I adore her. She's a stylish, gorgeous young lady. And I finally said, okay, girl, my task for you today is I need you to go through both the kids' dressers, pull out oh, everything that doesn't fit. No Here's way. Here's my login to Target and Ooh. Old Navy. 
I need you to go in and pick out what they need and then just leave it in the cart and I'll review it when I get home. It saved me hours because I would agonize over this t-shirt or that one. I just sit her down now and I come home and she's like, oh yeah, Olivia and I had a great time. We sat there, we picked, she goes, I got everything needed and a few extra skirts for Olivia. And I'm like, this is amazing. So that's my back to school. <laughs> the look on your face is priceless. I wish I had it on camera right now. If I could show you the... <laughs> exploding head emoji right now that's what's going on on my side of this video on zoom <laughs> that is amazing i have never felt so smart as a working mom as the day that i figured that out and casey loves it she's like i get to shop on someone else's dime score you know and so she's having a blast get you know she's got something to do and it saves me hours it's amazing i'm just not living life right <laughs> Nikki, what in the world? Uh-huh. Okay. It's beautiful and wonderful. So I'm convinced after talking to you and Kelly, I'm doing something wrong. So before I do this next year, <laughs> I am going to get counsel. Because <laughs> I just don't think it should have cost that much. We do have to buy their school supplies. So that mm -hmm. is definitely something. Now, school supplies wasn't a tremendous um amount of money with both kids I spent about a hundred for two kids not too bad but they also needed like socks and underwear and you know um cami bras and you know there were things that they had to I had to re-up on so I did it at the same time as school shopping so you know that 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 mm -hmm. ring up was a little more than a hundred but as far as the um actual school supplies, it's about $50 a kid. So it wasn't too bad. But anyway, I still feel like. But next year, you don't have to buy new uniforms. Well, if they don't grow. They're not going to grow that much at this age, right? They can't grow two and a half more sizes than their feet. <laughs> if they don't grow, if I, I hope my sons can still wear the pants. I hope my daughter can still wear the skirts and the sh she should be able to wear the shirts because I did buy the shirts big, but I mean, let's just, let's just pray. All right. So if you guys are out there listening, you understand the pain. Yeah. And I want to know from everyone else, like drop it in Deanna's Instagram feed. What are y'all spending on back to school? Like I would yeah. love to hear what it's like across the country because I mean, basically for me, it's, I just buy some clothes in the fall when he grows out of stuff, but literally I'm not right. buying anything else for back to school. Because I also bought him a nice backpack. And I said, this is your backpack from now until the end of middle school. It is a good backpack. It is a quality backpack. And you need to take care of this thing. Now, see, I don't even know how that even works. Because my children's backpacks are like, maybe I'm not buying a good enough backpack. Maybe that's so the problem. I bought like a Target backpack, you know, had like Hot Wheels on it or something. I think we got a year and a half out. I mean, it was just trash. I spent right. 25 bucks on it. I invested, I got him an Osprey backpack. That's uh -huh. the packs that we use when we're traveling. Love Osprey. And it is a good quality backpack. And it was like 50 bucks. Yeah. But that's, I'm what like, I'm not, that's what I'm doing wrong is I'm buying the Walmart $25 backpack. And so instead of like guess, a Jan Sport or something that is designed for durability. That's what yeah, I'm I mean, about. I think he'll be able to get three or four years out of this thing, hopefully. Okay. All right, y'all. Yeah. Help me out. If you heard me say four figures, and I'm not even exaggerating, I spent a little over a grand oh altogether just getting these kids ready for school. I'm done now. I don't think I have to buy anything else. But if I, with that number, and I say that number, and this, like I said, it's for two kids, so split that in two, 500 per kid, okay? 
if you hear that and you're like, Deanna, you are crazy. Talk to me before you shop next year. Leave that. If you hear that number and you're like, no, that's about what I spend to get my kids ready for school. Please help me feel better about it. Okay. But <laughs> me and Nikki want to know. And yeah, we do. And I want to know where you live in the country too. Yeah, I think that might play a big part of it. Yeah. Let us know where you're living so we can compare crazy. All right. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just, I'm just believing God that somebody's going to be like, no, Deanna, I'm with you. I'm just hoping because if not, I'm going to probably feel a bit nauseous <laughs> about all of this. All right, Kelly, we miss you. And Rod? Yes, we do. Go ahead and drop the intro. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Refreshed Life Podcast. I'm Deanna Mason, creator of Refreshed Moms, where I help mompreneurs find the time they need in order to make the money they desire. And I'm Kelly Capriati Burton, a writer and encourager finding the humor, grace, and happily ever afters in complicated relationships. We've come together and created this space to empower moms and women to be healthy, strong, emotionally well, and successful in their businesses and their families. Oh, that sounds good to me. Grab your favorite coffee mug. We definitely have ours and hang with us. We can promise you diverse perspectives, positive outlooks, and likely a few fun rabbit holes along the way. Here we go, guys. So if you haven't figured it out by now, Kelly Capriati Burton is not the voice you're hearing on the podcast. Kelly could not record today because she herself is also in the back to school crazy and she just couldn't pull it off. And I gave her permission to not be here. I said, you don't have to be here because guess what? We have now a guest host that you'll be hearing from a lot more often on the Refresh Life podcast. You already know her if you've listened to, I can't even think of the episode number, but I will link back to it once I figure it out. But one of the episode numbers um, in season one, yeah, Mm -hmm. Nikki Snyder from the Things She Does podcast is guest hosting with us now so i'm so excited just a little bit uh about nikki it's actually dr nikki snyder she is a nurse practitioner and i did say she's the host of the things she does but she's actually the former host of the things Mm -hmm. she does podcast because since the time that we talked with her she has um paused or stopped her the thing she does podcast even though all that content that beautiful beautiful content is still out there for you to find and listen to so you can still go check her out i'm going to link back to her um, podcast um, website in the show notes but welcome with me dr nikki snyder we're so happy to have you and i'm so happy to um be talking about this subject with you today so welcome nikki Thank you so much for having me, Deanna. I am so excited. I love the show. Kelly, we do miss you. Um, But I am just so excited. As you mentioned, I am not podcasting anymore. I did it for nearly two years. There are nearly 100 episodes out there. You can still find them. Um, It was about women who are pursuing their passion and making it work. And so there is some really great content that I'm super proud of. Um, But that season has kind of come to a close. And so I'm just excited for this chance to be podcasting again. (laughs) And if you've been listening to me and Kelly for any period of time, you know that one of our favorite episodes is the one on her Costco chicken. It's so funny. 
all that beautiful content and people she's interviewed and for some reason me and kelly are like man that costco chicken one changed our lives it's so funny so we link back to it often because we refer to it often as we're talking but it's so funny which if you haven't heard it's 10 things to do with a costco roasted chicken and it will save you if you are a busy mama it's easy dinner ideas for you so just go check that one out uh, hey guess what we're gonna do i'm gonna link back to it again Things to do with a Costco chicken is going to change your world. Okay. So I believed when um, me and Nikki were talking back and forth about what topics to talk about, this is perfect. This is like a perfect sequel to what we recorded back in episode 109. I, I actually paused the podcast recording to go back and get that episode because I feel like we're going to reference some material in that as we talk. And I wanted you guys to know which episode that was. But episode 109 is what we recorded with Nikki. And right around that time, she was in this space of pivoting from the podcast. I don't believe she had completely gotten to the point where she stopped it. I think it Not yet, was- no you know, more, she was um, approaching it more from a hobby standpoint. Now she's um, completely stopped it all together. I'm gonna give her a chance to um, talk about that journey in just a second. But it made me think that this is really something that we should dig into and capture in audio. What are some things to think about before you decide to turn a hobby into a business? And I can't think of someone better to talk about it with than Nikki. So if you can share a little bit or recap your journey and then kind of update us to how you ended up with the decision to just stop the podcast altogether, just give us a little bit brief history on your time with the things she does and the, the transitions that you made and where you are today. Okay. So I was used to being very busy. I did graduate school when my kids were young. I actually started when my son was three months old, went through that, became a nurse practitioner, finished my doctorate. And then very shortly after had my second child. And so I was so used to just go, 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 go. Like I had to constantly be striving for the next thing. And so I had a little moratorium. I told my husband, I am not allowed to start a business, write a book, do take a new job, nothing for the first six months after I finished my doctorate. Because I knew I would just jump into something. And I actually waited a little over a year. Um, but then I discovered podcasting and I thought, well, this will be something good. Now, bear in mind, I already have a job where I work 30, 33 hours a week. So, I mean, I'm already working a decent amount, but I started this because it was a passion side project and I thought maybe I could make a little bit of side money, you know, it'd be interesting to have that sort of element and it fulfilled a different creative part of me and it was great. And so I did it for, I went hardcore for like a year and a half And then I reached this point of, oh my gosh, this is taking over my life. This is affecting my family. I am not available to them. I love what I'm doing, but I have zero margin in my life. And so on actually traveling with my husband, we kind of had a big like, okay, what do we do? And I kind of thought, you know, maybe I need to quit. And he's like, well, you love it. Maybe don't quit. Maybe back off. And so I kind of finished out a little bit. And then I thought, okay, what if, like Deanna said, what if I change this to actually being a hobby? Because even though I never made money with it, I really approached it as I'm going to make this a business. Mm -hmm. I got a business license. I set up a separate bank account. So what wasn't muddled with my personal finances, I did all of that. And I treated my time like it was a business. And so I kind of did a step back and say, no, I'm just going to make this a hobby. And I did it for a while. And then I just, I lost the passion for it, to be quite Mm -hmm. honest with you. And I actually voxed with Deanna. I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm just, 
I am lost. I, I feel like a failure if I stop, but I still have things to say. I, and I was just lost. And Deanna gave me the most beautiful and encouraging advice back. And one of the best things she said to me is, it doesn't work anymore, you know, finish it. And that doesn't mean you'll never do anything again. And that was the most freeing thing for me to hear because in my mind, I'm like, well, if I don't do this, that means I failed. I'll never do anything again. I'll never, I'll just be nurse practitioner the rest of my life. Um, and so I reached a point where I said, okay, I'm just taking a month off. I'm not posting on Instagram. I'm not doing any new episodes. I'm, I'm not doing anything for a month. And if after a month, I'm like, gosh, I really miss this. I will find a way to work it back in. And if I don't, then it's time to close it. And that month, was a beautiful, wonderful time where I went to the mountains with my family and I went on bike rides and I read books and I never had to think about, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I just, I literally could enjoy my time when I was off work. And so I got to the end of the month and I said, gosh, I still love this, but it just does not fit anymore. And I recorded my final episode and that was the end of it. Um, and to be honest, that was a couple months ago and I look at my life, I'm like, Oh my gosh, how did I even fit that in? Like, it's kind of crazy. And I, I miss certain elements of it. I miss the fun parts of it, but to be honest, I, I'm still happier not doing it. Yeah. So that's sort of been my journey with my side hustle hobby, if you will. Man. So one of the key things that we're going to talk about that point a little deeper <clears throat> once we get into the, we basically have six things for you to think about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more, but we kind of narrowed it down to six things to think about before you make the plunge into entrepreneurship. But what she shared or what you shared, Nikki, about that passion just dwindling away is a real thing. So totally real. That is something that even as I'm doing things that I love and enjoy, I've been, gosh, in and out of entrepreneurship for a decade. And many times, I sit at my desk and I'm like, man, I don't want to do this. I'm not feeling any excitement about whatever the thing is I was about to do. And it causes me to question, do, do I continue this? Do I move forward? Do I change something to make this feel better? And what I have found about myself as an entrepreneur, and like, this is why we're doing this episode, because it really does kind of take a certain set of DNA, probably a set of uh, take a certain grace for this journey to be sustainable. It really Mm -hmm. does. And I have learned enough about who I am that for one, I don't want to work for anybody. I don't want to work a nine to five, or I don't want to have to report to somebody. I've done that before and it's not really where I show up my best. I'm really not the best employee, quite frankly. I'm a very productive employee, but you know, I show up late. (laughs) You know, it's just, I am not great at having to keep up with somebody else's pace and schedule. So I've just learned that about myself. So Mm -hmm. I already know that's probably not an option. Whatever I do, I need to be in control of when I show up because whenever I show up, I'm going to show up big and I'm going to be productive, right? Mm-hmm. So that's me. I know that about myself after, you know, working, you know, for however many decades, two, two and a half decades. I also know that I don't do well when I'm idle. So idle doesn't necessarily mean, well, I'm homeschooling because that, that, of course, kept me quite busy. Mm-hmm. Idle in my creativity. 
is so I know that even if I were to say, I don't want to do this anymore. I know it's only a period of time before I start getting the bug mm-hmm. to wanting to do it again. So I've learned that enough about myself that because that's who I am, I've got to find a very good um, integrated space where I am nurturing the part that I'm passionate about and I have the skill set to move through the parts that I don't particularly like. Mm-hmm. because that's really the best marrying that that's how I'm going to find longevity because I I'm not going to be happy if I quit I'm not I already know but I'm also got to recognize there are elements of what entrepreneurship brings that are not quite as exciting to me mm-hmm. and if I don't and I'm going to go in and out of feeling passionate yeah well the interesting thing is is a part of me always thought, oh, I'd love to work myself, partially because I'd love to travel more and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I discovered through this, not that I made any money doing it, but I like having a job with an employer. Mm-hmm. I don't like everything that goes with that. I like getting a steady paycheck. Mm-hmm. I like having a 401k. I like having match. Like, and I think that in our current realm of Instagram and everyone is an influencer and an independent this and that, and which is great. But I think so often we can get sucked into that and it's almost uncool or unsexy, but I'm like, no, I just, I like my job. Yeah. And, and I think that's okay. And the other piece is, is, you know, that idleness you were talking about. And that's something for me, I realized I had spent 20 years always with something I was striving for. I was doing Mm. my undergraduate. I was paying off my student loans, working extra jobs. I was going to graduate school. Like there was always something I was working towards. And then I jumped right into the podcast. And this is the first time where I'm just sitting with it and being like, no, I don't have to feel every single second of my day and I'm mm-hmm. leaning into the idleness and I just, I'm feeling this need to, for at least a few years, just have empty space and have an afternoon where my daughter is napping, the bills are paid, the house is tidy and realize there is nothing I have to do right now. And I am learning how to do that. I probably won't do it forever, but I think it's an important skill that I need to learn. Mm-hmm. I think everybody needs to learn that. Um, I, I took four years off between mm-hmm. entrepreneurship um, activities just to rest and refresh. And that's actually where I learned how to be content with idleness. Mm-hmm. I really did. And I don't even know if idleness is the word because I was, I, w- I started crafting with my mom. We would yeah. do craft shows, you know, it was just for fun. It was a hobby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're talking about today it was a hobby we made money to spend money that's all we did we made money at craft shows and then we turned around and shopped everybody else's tables we never left with anything (laughs) we never left with any um, profit because we spent our profit but it was so much fun for me and my mom we absolutely loved it we would get ideas and we would get inspired to learn how to create new things it just kept me busy and allowed my, me to nurture my creativity. I worked for a children's museum for a little stint. Just, it was just something to do that wasn't homeschooling, contributed a little bit to the household budget. There was little small things like that. But entrepreneurship is different. Mm-hmm. It's a different set of commitment. And because me and Nikki both know that, we want to try to help you understand the difference between nurturing creativity and taking your creativity and putting um, a business to it Mm 
-hmm. it's not the same. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Doesn't mean that you're not going to enjoy doing it, but you've got to understand what you're saying once you jump in and do that. So these are our six things that we would like for you to think about before you turn your hobby into a business. So Nikki, go ahead and I'm going to let you start with the first one. All right. The first thing that you need to think about before you turn your hobby into a business is why, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. And you know, kind of what I said before, I think there's so much almost an online pressure of everyone's got to have a side hustle or a side gig. And so are, are you doing it because, well, gosh, everyone else is doing it. So maybe I should be doing it too. Are you doing it because your family needs extra income and you think this is a way you can provide? Are you doing it because you think you're going to be the next you know, person online who all of a sudden has a six-figure launch and doing, I mean, we, we've all seen these people. Is, is that why you're doing it? Are you doing it because you see this as a scalable career where you can start a business that you can grow and you know, possibly even employ other people other day? Are you doing it because, hey, it just seems like something fun to do and why not? Like there's so many different reasons and I think you really need to nail into why. And one of the other things to look at is, are you doing this because you think your hobby needs quote unquote value? And our lives are so structured and timed and, and sometimes we feel like, well, unless I'm making money, it's not worth doing. That is crap, you know? And people say, oh, well, if running is your hobby, you know, at least it's healthy. You're getting something out of it, you know? But if you're doing calligraphy, you're not getting anything out of it. Well, yes, you are because you're still getting that, that peace and that relaxation and clearly it's something you enjoy. So don't feel like you need to monetize it to make your hobby worth it. Mm-hmm. You being a person as an activity that you enjoy, that right there is worth it. It just yeah. is. So, you know, think about those. And then the other thing is if your why is, well, gosh, I, I love this hobby so much. I need to find a way to fund it. You know, kind of like Deanna was doing that again is good to know because that's going to structure differently how you approach this. Are you just looking to make enough money to cover your costs? Are you looking to pay your mortgage? Are you looking for vacation money? Like what is it and why are you starting a business? And that why is so important because let me tell you when it gets tough, if you do not have a good why, or if like in my case, your why changes, it's going to be really hard to get through those tough times. Mm-hmm. What, after working with a number of clients, I have realized the, the different whys and which whys I jam with the most. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause everybody has a different reason why they're showing up for this. I jam with the whys that are most similar to my why. Okay. And those whys are, I feel like I have some work that I need to get out into this world. I feel like there's an impact that I need to make. I need to make this my gig in order for me to be available to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. So the only way I can be available to do this if it's financially sustaining me Mm -hmm. and financially sustaining itself. Right. So I knew I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to make money. My, I, I am just an entrepreneur by nature. It, it's, I really feel like I was born into it. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. He owned his own barbecue shop. My father and my mother were entrepreneurs. They owned their own mini mart. I grew up working in that mini mart. I grew up in an entrepreneur family. Um, it was, it's just naturally in me to want to create. I went to school, got a BA in marketing. You know, it's just who I am, right? 
So it just comes natural that I would be inclined to create my work around being able to be an entrepreneur. But I've always desired to have my work to be tied with impact, helping people see change in some kind of way, you know. And what I desire to do is it surpasses business coaching, honestly. It surpasses what I'm currently doing right now in order to pay the bills. I really want to impact the lives of moms and the lives of families in a larger way, you know, and those things, you know, hopefully I'll be able to see some tangible evidence of that in the next, you know, three to five years, right? But that's the way I think as an entrepreneur. I'm into I'm in it for the long game. And so I have found that the people that seem to work best with what I'm offering are people that are similar in nature and passion, right? Mm-hmm. There's something that they actually want to contribute to society, to contribute to the world that ranges in what those things are, but they're like seeing this as, no, I, I feel like I've been equipped to impact in this way and the way that I would like to do it is within the model of having my own business, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you can have impact in many different ways. You don't have to have your own business to do it, but that's just, oh, yeah. you know, so those whys tend to be the ones that I've realized, okay, they, they're, they're the best fit for the type of work that I want to do and the type of people I want to work with and the type of people I like to partner with and collaborate with. But anyway, you understanding that no matter what it is, even if it's not what I just described, you have to understand on the top end why you are choosing this to be a business. Just Mm -hmm. spend some time journaling around it. Spend Spend some time trying to forecast vision on what you are foreseeing this to be for yourself in another year, three years, five years, and just kind of see what those whys are they are deep and wide what they can be. And we're going to get into some of, um, some of these in another point, but you decide what that is. All right. So my second point is, okay, so let's say you've decided this is, <laughs> I want to, I want my hobby to become a business. I encourage you to consider this question. Are you prepared for the learning curve? Okay. Because your it's it's (laughs) deep even with me with a marketing degree and having held multiple marketing manager positions (laughs) just because i'm a marketer doesn't mean i'm necessarily a good business runner Mm -hmm. i have a i have a set of expertise that i have monetized okay but that is not the same as running a business. <laughs> it's not. Expertise no. does not equate business. It just doesn't. And you got to be prepared for that learning curve. Now, I will say it's okay that you have a learning curve. Completely okay. But just mm-hmm. embrace the fact that there is one and be willing to invest in your learning curve. Because yeah. th- there is one. And for you to create the type of business that you want, you, you probably are going to have to, on the front end, first year, two or three, spend some time reinvesting profit into your learning. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, it's really important for you to understand that. 
Um, I don't really have anything else to add to that. Nikki, you got any, <laughs> any well, insight no, on that? I'm just thinking like for someone who, let, let's say you craft or you sew something and you think, well, what kind of learning curve? I already know how to do the thing. Yeah, you know how to do the thing, but you don't necessarily know how to monetize it, how to build a business around it. And there is so much in terms of building website and social media platforms and getting the word out there and running the financial aspect and doing your taxes. And there is so much, and there is a ton of resources out there. Like mm-hmm. they're all out there. But doing your thing suddenly becomes the small part when you put it in a business because there's so much business that needs to happen. Which brings us to the third point. (laughs) So for number three, are you willing to risk some of the passion you have about your hobby and trade it for the unsexy business building? Um, and, And I think this is so true, you know, and towards the end, like I was so passionate about talking with women and interviewing them. But dear me, trying to build out a social media strategy and get all the pictures and all the captions and then trying to take care of getting it posted and edited. And like, there is so much stuff that goes into it. And I, you know, I remember before podcasting, I'm like, it's an hour long podcast. Like seriously, how long can it take? I would spend 10 to 20 hours a week putting out a one hour show a week. So mm. that just kind of gives you a bit of perspective on how much it can take. And so you know, realizing that it can look glamorous and fun. And especially these people we see online and, you know, you can look at Diaz of like, oh, she's a business coach. She just gets to talk to people and encourage them. That's so cool. Do you guys have any idea how hard Deanna works? Like, oh my gosh, the amount of behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. and that she invests into her business, into her learning that anybody doing business do. I, I promise you, it is not all the sexy stuff you see on Instagram. It's just not. Most and of it so, isn't. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's like the tip of the iceberg is what you see and it's everything else underneath. And so I would just say, be prepared for that. Don't walk in thinking, well, when I make this a business, I'm just going to spend 40 hours a week doing my favorite craft. And that's, that's not how it's going to look. And that doesn't mean don't do it. It just means be prepared for that and be prepared. The fact that you may not get to do that thing you love as much because you start having to do some of this other stuff. Yeah. Very little of what I do is the stuff that I'm passionate about. Now, I would definitely like to work myself to the point where most of what I do is the passionate work and have team around me that actually is passionate about some of the stuff that I don't like doing, you know, like hiring people that love um, managing social media. I don't love managing social media. What do I love about social media? I love meeting new people. I love engaging with them and commenting with them, but actually planning it out, um, thinking about what to say, you know, um, finding the images, um, sometimes intentionally taking pictures, that stuff I don't like that much at all. And I really kind of don't like that part of my week is spent on that. I'd rather it be spent on creating content I'm going deeper with my clients and people on my email list. That's what I would rather do. There's things that I want to record um, just because these are things I want to share and I want to capture it in audio. And just that's if I could trade the amount of time I spend on social media prep with that, I'd love it. But guess what? I also don't like doing I don't like editing that. <laughs> I like to record it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to edit it. You know, so once you record that beautiful content, guess what? Somebody's got to turn around and edit it and prepare it for, you know, for publishing. And it takes about two to three times longer than it takes to record it to 
edit it, finish up the audio, wrap it up, put the notes on, put the image on, upload it. I mean, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. So understanding that there's a whole bunch of unsexy stuff that's going to be tied to it. What you might be doing something that you love and you just love the way it makes you feel when you sit down and um, do your hand lettering or you sit down and craft or, you know, when you, you may be coaching women without the title of a coach, you know, you might have a small group or you may have a way that you're, uh, you may blog for fun and not for monetization, right? All of these different types of things that right now you're doing just because you enjoy them. Once you decide that, hey, I'm going to try to make money doing this, there's going to be some stuff that you're about to add to your to-do list that you're probably not going to enjoy doing. And, but if you really want this to be a business, then you've just got to know, I've got to do the stuff I don't like doing as well as the stuff that I love doing. Nine times out of 10, the stuff that you don't like doing is going to outweigh the stuff that you love doing and just understanding that and be willing to do that. And also know that if you keep chipping away at it, one day you're going to be able to outsource, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to add team, and you're going to be able to create, you know, something that actually takes some of that stuff off your plate, but it takes money or you may put an upfront financial investment in your business that allows for paying a person. That's also possible. You know, if you, if you say, okay, I'm going to, I am going to um, put $10,000 of capital into my business upfront and that's going to pay for a virtual assistant. That's going to pay for a social media manager, you know, for however many months while mm-hmm. I scale, that's completely fine as well. But guess what? You probably don't even know all that you need without investing into your education to see how you even want to model your business and the type of elements that you need in order to uh, market it and scale it in the way that you desire. So just understand that these, this episode is not to poo poo on your desire to be an entrepreneur. It's just trying to take you behind the scenes on some of the elements that I want you to consider. Because if you, if you've never ran a business before, you know, it's, there's so much more to it besides Mm -hmm. selling an expertise. Yeah. And I would just add to that. I'm all about putting the capital in if you have it, but that's if you have it, do not Mm -hmm. put that on a credit card and do not put out that 10 K thinking, okay, well in one year I'm going to have made that back because you may, and you may not, and you do not want to put yourself in a tough financial position where you are scrambling and desperate because you're like, well, I got to make this money back and I have one month left. So be very, very careful about that financial investment. I, I definitely am going to agree about being careful about the financial investment. I am going to disagree a little bit on how you come up with that investment because there are many people um, that do take out loans to start their business. And as an entrepreneur, when you have that bug, you don't see that um, loan the same. I you think know, a loan is different than credit card. Well, loan or credit card, because some people have great credit cards or whatever. But no matter how they come up with that investment, just make sure it's thought through. Make it <laughs> smart. Okay. Yes. Don't do it and risk the house, you know. But and this maybe talk to somebody, an expert about it in the financial realm to to help them make you help you create a plan of that investment. Um, but I've invested money in businesses before and didn't earn that money back. 
but me and my husband decided up front, this is what we're going to do. We know it's a risk. So like I said, it's just a different thought pattern when people have that natural inclination for entrepreneurship. But the, the main thing I want you to pull out what Nikki is saying is just make it smart. Exactly. Make it make an educated financial investment of capital. Not every person has 10 K, K, K in the bank to be able to do that. I, um, and I will, I want to add in this too, that, um, degree of separation as well as barrier of entry really increases when you're looking at people of color and sometimes creating your own income streams is the way people of color advance in America, at least financially. And sometimes that means we have to go take out a loan. Sometimes that means we have to use a credit card. So I just, I want to put that out there because not everybody's situation is, is the same, but just do your best to make an informed financial decision because like I said, some people it's worth it. And some people, you know, either way, it's a risk. Yeah. You may not get that money back. I made a risky investment at um, last year and, and I did, I made it, I didn't take out a loan, but I made it without being real sure how my business was going to pay for it. And I just bet on myself that I was going to be able to pay for it. And I was able to, but it was a risk when I did it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's, but that's, but it's a risk that you me. understood and that you discussed with your husband. I think yeah. that's more, and, and I think people probably get that I am probably more financially conservative and fearful. And that's, I, I think that's important to understand about yourself too. I think Deanna, you've had more success with this, but you also have that more ballsy, just go for it. And I think mm -hmm. understanding your personal disposition you know, are you a ballsy go for it? You and your family have decided and you're okay with this risk or are you like, I, I just am not. And it's not that I wasn't willing to bet on myself mm -hmm. is I am just more risk adverse probably yep. on that. And I think understanding that really would shape how you approach your business. Like you may have Deanna as your coach and think everything about her is great, but your financial perspective is different. Yep. That's okay. And you, you, you can be on either side, I guess is what I'm trying to you say. Can. And, and just do what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And we well, are on different sides. Because yeah. not every person, not every entrepreneur is that, but is what I am. Mm -hmm. There are many entrepreneurs that are going to be more conservative on how they make their financial investments. So, you know, either way you go, I am just saying be informed. Yes. And there's just different ways of accomplishing it, but mainly understand that, because this, you know, this, this was a great rabbit trail on financial investment and capital, putting capital up front. But the, the point that we want to circle back to is just understanding that there are going to be elements of the work that are not going to be fun. How mm -hmm. you tackle those is really up to you. Either just understand it, you're going to do it, and you're just going to suck it up, or you're going to eventually add team to help take some of those things away from you. All right. Number four, right? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, are you trying to make a few extra bucks or are you trying to make a living? Nikki kind of touched on this a little bit. You know, are you trying to pay for groceries? Are you trying to pay the mortgage? You know, are you trying to contribute a few hundred bucks to the budget in order to supplement what's currently coming in in other places? You know, you could be a nine to fiver and you just want a little extra money to be able to pay down debt. You may want a little extra money to save for vacation, you know, just, or just some, you just want a little extra money to make things more spacious financially for your home. Or you're saying, no, I want to work. And this is the way I want to work. This is going to be my career. 
right? Two different, so two different. different motivations and two different um, goals, right? Either one is fine. You just got to kind of understand what you're trying to do so that you don't fall into the trap of doing all the bells and whistles and all the things you think are necessary to bring, bring that money in that, you know, $500 a month. Well, see, I'm speaking for myself. That's not really hard to bring in and you don't need a whole bunch of social media marketing to create business around $500 a month. You just really don't. Okay. Um, and, and like I said, I'm speaking from my perspective. Some of you may be listening to this be like, gosh, I wish I could bring in $500 a month. I, I completely get that. Come talk to me. I'll yeah, go talk to Deanna if that's <laughs> your thing. <laughs> I got you. But, you know, for me, and even if you're like the one that says, no, this is going to be a career. This is going to, I want to make full-time income. I want this to be my full-time gig. That's how I am. I don't want to work full-time hours, but I want to make full-time money. You still got to understand what that amount is because there's a certain amount of work associated with that, bringing in that amount of money. And so there's just, I know there are certain things that I got to do in order to um, sustain the amount of income that I want to make every month. But guess what? I don't have to do. I have to do everything. Mm-mm. I don't. So I don't have to go crazy on Instagram. You know, I don't have to spend hours on Instagram. You know, I do need to spend some time because I am leveraging that platform. But there's only a certain amount of money a month that I actually need to make, or I guess to say is my goal to make to reach my household financial goals and some of the other things me and my husband are working on, right? And then once I'm bringing in that money every single month, it really becomes so much more fun for me because I can just sit back and just work. I don't have to continuously, continuously scale. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm building my business. I'm building my business around the amount of money that I'm working towards for full-time income. Not quite there but I'm working towards it. I'm a year and a couple months old. I'm like very satisfied with the progress I made over those year and a couple months. But you know, I'm like, I'm giving myself three years to get myself to that financial, you know, that monthly financial amount that I'm looking for. And after that, anything that comes in above that is just awesome. But it allows me just to sit back and now fine tune, make what I do better, serve deeper, and now I've created sustainability around the hours that I work, the, the, the things that I'm monetizing, and I can just now reinvest some of that. I can now, you know, just make those things serve better. I don't necessarily have to keep creating unless I'm inspired to, right? Mm-hmm. But that's me. That's, you know, I don't have, I really honestly don't have a goal of making seven figures. I don't. If it happens, it's going to be because it's happening organically. It's not going to be because I'm going after seven figures. You know, it's just, I don't know why I'm not, I don't desire to do that. I just, I just, I don't, I'm not going to turn it away, but I'm like. Dump your entire life into that though, because you realize there's more to life than making a million dollars a year. And I also know the level of work Mm -hmm. that it takes to do that. And right now I'm like, I'm only willing to commit the level of work that sustains six figures. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my children are still in the house. I only want to work 15 to 20 hours a week. 
Um, I don't have a huge team. You know, I'm not, I'm looking to not continuously try to invest to, to make sex, invest, uh, invest in my business in order to scale it to a million. I'm looking to invest in my business enough to sustain the amount that I want to make and then just holding steady. Mm-hmm. Right. And then saving money, you know, let my business save money, let my house save money and just reinvest in ways that take what I'm currently doing and make them better. That's, that's really how I want to work. So that's because of that, I know what kind of time commitment and effort that's going to take. And right now I'm not willing to do it, do more than that. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, you've got to figure out, you know, what's the financial goal? How much money are you really trying to make? And then once you decide that you only need to do the business activities that generate that amount of money, you don't have to do anything more than that if you don't want to, mm-hmm. but, you know, so, but understanding that amount, so you're not spinning your wheels doing stuff that are not necessary or understanding that amount and comprehending what that means, what kind of work you're going to have to do to, to make that. And then ask yourself, am I willing to put that in to this hobby? <laughs> mm-hmm. Not everybody, you know, I have coached enough women to see not everybody's willing to do what it takes to achieve what they're saying out of their mouths that they want. Mm-hmm. When they realize what it takes, some people are like, this ain't the season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think some people also realize this just isn't realistic. Like, mm-hmm. especially like, I mean, I've got a professional degree and there, I'm sure the other people listening, they're accountants, they're lawyers, they're the other things. And yes, the idea of working from home and being your boss, it, it sounds fantastic. And in a lot of ways it is, but when you look at how long it can take to get there, and you look at, well, gosh, I'm dumping 30 hours a week into this. If I work one extra 10-hour shift, I'm making more than I make in three months. You know, like, and, and there is that balance of, okay, it's like you said, it can take up to three years to scale. And, and are you willing to put that in? Because if you're looking for the fast cash now, and that's your biggest motivation, sometimes looking at your current job and trying to scale up there, if cash is your motivation, sometimes that's the faster, better way. And you just do your hobby for fun. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you put in that long-term goal of, okay, no, I want this to be, I want to transition and I'm going to go through those three years of hard. But again, that comes back to your why and why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number five, number five. Number five, are you committed enough to keep at it when it gets hard? this is all coming back to that why I talked about before, because it is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. There are going to be days when you are exhausted and, oh, look, you still have to go balance the bank account. You've got to go get more social media posts out. You've got to go make the thing that you used to love. And right now you just kind of hate it because it's 10 o'clock at night. You want to go to bed. (laughs) And so coming back to that, why are you doing this? Because if your why isn't strong, it is not going to be enough to get you through those tough spots. It's just not. Mm -hmm. And so Really understanding that and understanding it is not going to be all roses and sunshine and rainbows. It's, and so do you have enough passion behind this to say, I know it's going to be hard sometimes, but I believe in this dream, in this business, in what I am pushing towards to push through those hard times. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I pushed through it for two years. I mean, there are times I was so tired. I got up at four in the morning to record podcasts before I was editing. Like I, mean, I did all of those things and that balance eventually tipped for me where I was willing to push through. And then when I reevaluated and my why had changed, I realized it wasn't enough anymore. 
And that's okay. It was enough for the first two years and then it wasn't. And so that's my personal sort of journey with it. And I think that understanding that your why can change and pushing through, understanding that you need to be able to push through, Mm -hmm. but also listening to yourself when you're like, okay, this is becoming a struggle day after day after day, you know, reevaluate, is this still the right thing? And maybe it is, and you just need to push and maybe it's time to do a pivot. Yeah. That's what happened with me with the magazine I used to publish. Mm -hmm. I did it for three years. And on that third year, probably, you know, at the end of the second, going into that third, I was constantly trying to push through constantly. You shouldn't always be feeling like you got to push through. Okay. Let me, let me just, if you are always feeling like every time you show up to do your business, you're pushing through the task. It's I'm betting it shouldn't feel like that. Okay. Time to reevaluate. Yeah. Um, I felt like that. And then on top of that, I was completely exhausted I had lost perspective on what my family priorities were. I was not taking care of myself. Me and my husband weren't dating. You know, there was so much that had left <laughs> with the commitment that I had on that business. You now have to reevaluate. I had to reevaluate the value of what I was doing. And the price was too high in many other areas of my life. So It's going to take the tenacity to push through hard parts because you're going to have hard parts. You're going to have hard seasons, but only you can decide whether or not you want to continue pushing through. Okay. But just know that hard seasons are awaiting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's going to come. And it does take, some wherewithal to get through it in order to get through the, get to the um, easier season. So you got to understand that. And right now what you're doing may just be fun and just, you know, relaxing and you, there's, you're getting value in it in fulfillment and in other ways. You're about to trade some of that with pushing through some hard times with your business. Okay. All right. And here's the last thing. Number six, do you see, you changing your hobby to a business. Do you see that this is something you can sustain on a long-term basis? Okay. Um, And it's okay if you jump in it and you realize this isn't really what it was cracked up to be. I want to step out by all means pivot (laughs) by all means pivot. Mm -hmm. Listen to episode one on nine. If you need inspiration (laughs) right now on pivoting, but you, you do got to have to have a long game when creating businesses. I don't know the stats now, but more than half business that start, I believe it's like 80% of businesses that start, they fail, right? Brick mm-hmm. or mortar or otherwise, right? It's a risky thing to start a business and get it to profitability and sustainability. Now there are definitely easier ways to be there. You know, online business, you don't have to have a whole lot of overhead to make that profitable. Okay. Um, but sustaining it is different. And a lot of that is sustaining your physical stamina, your emotional stamina, your mental stamina. You know, do you have the wherewithal to see this through in order to get it to produce the way that you are desiring it to produce once you consider all these other things 
that me and Nick had already talked about. So if you, if you're saying I need this income or I have a goal to make this income for whatever your whys are now ask yourself, can you sustain the journey long-term in order to get there? It is a long game. Everybody's coming long. in. at this. Yes. Everybody's coming in at different skill sets. Everybody though has to start from zero though. Everybody. I used to use a service and I shared this service with um, Nikki um, for Instagram that helped me with my liking. You know, it did the liking for me and got me in front of different accounts um, on Instagram. I used it as a marketing tool and to help take some things off my plate. I don't use that service anymore. And when I stopped using that service, my engagement interaction on Instagram dropped because I no longer had that help. Right. And so after everything settled, you know, you know, cause I, I kind of let it, um, drop so I can kind of see where it was going to level out without having that help. And now I see where it's leveling out and it's all, it almost feels like, okay, now I got to start from zero again. Right. But I'm okay with that because it's like, that's okay. I know how to build it. I know how to get it up there, but that's really what it is. It's like, I see where I have to now start from. Actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to look for team to help me with that because it's just not something I have a lot of time to do, but I know it's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, that's neither here nor there. But my point is I realized that if I take that element out, I'm going to see a change and I'm going to have to now, okay, now I need to start building that back up again. And you're going to have periods of time like that in your business all the time. You're going to have things that used to work for you one year that don't work for you anymore. Something that was producing income for you one year, something changed or something culturally changed or something, you know, whatever, something shifted in the atmosphere. <laughs> and now that ad is no longer converting for you or that freebie is no longer, um, you know, giving you the opt-in percentages that you desire or but whatever, something that you were doing in your business that was successful is no longer producing. You're going to have to shift and pivot all the time like that with your business. It's just the nature of it. Um, so you have to ask yourself, am I, can I see myself sustaining this long-term through all the ups and downs, as well as the energy that you got to put into it, the mental and emotional capacity that needs to be available for it, and whatever changes that are going to be needed in your family in order for you to be able to show up for your business. Is this something that you can see that can be sustained? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. it, Nikki. What you got? I'm with you on that one. And, and I've always said like, you can do a sprint. I mean, I did four years of grad school with little ones at home. It was a sprint. Could I do that for 10 or 20 years? Absolutely not. But I could sprint through it with that end goal in mind. And so if you are looking at this like, okay, the next three years, yes. they're going to be crazy. My family understands this. We all understand what this sacrifice is going to be, but it's towards this end goal. And we can sprint for three years knowing that, you know, once we reach this goal, I can hire more help. I can do this. And, and, and that is different as opposed to getting in that sprint mode with no end in sight. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think that's where I got to is it, my plan had always been, okay, well, I can start earning a bit from affiliate links. And then once I get that, I can pay for an editor, which will take this off my plate and, and that'll make it more balanced. And I reached a point where that wasn't happening for me and the amount of work I would have to put in to get to that point 
it just didn't pencil out in terms of time. And that was part of the equation of why I turned it to a hobby and then even step back from it. And so just understanding there's a difference between a sprint now, but that cannot be forever. Yeah. You shouldn't always be in sprint mode. No, 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 no. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. No, it is not sustainable. Um, you can always be working towards goals, but you shouldn't mm-hmm. always be in a sprint because that is, you're, you're going to get depleted and you're going to have to come to refresh moms to get refreshed. So, but I'm here for you if you're there. Exactly. Um, this is before we close. I do want to say, so after hearing all this, you may be feeling a little confused. You may not be sure about any of this. What I'm going to suggest to you, I do 30 minute free business clarity consultations. Okay. Get on the phone with me. Let's Mm -hmm. go through. I have specific things that I take my clients through in order for them to get clarity on where they are in the process. You're going to understand the journey a little bit more. Let's do a clarity call. See if we can pinpoint exactly where you are in that journey. And maybe that'll help you have a little bit more foundation on deciding on where you want to go. And if you decide, you know what, I do need to, uh, I am ready to commit this to creating a business. I am definitely a resource that you can use in order to get that going. Okay. That's it. Nikki, thank you so much for, um, guest hosting with me today. I'm hoping the next time we hop on, we have Kelly's beautiful voice and um, perspective to add to it. But I want to give two final parting thoughts, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Number one, I just want to echo what Deanna said. Like she has spoken into my life so much and it is just get on a call with her because her ability to narrow down, ask the right questions and really get you where it, it is seriously astounding. So that's just my little plug for Deanna there. But the other thing I was going to say is if after listening to this conversation, you are like, yep, I am all in. I still want to do it. And if nothing we said really scares you, then yes, you should do it. Like yeah. you, you got the passion for it. Um, if you are in the unsure spot, just talk to Deanna, okay? F- figure that part out because it is possible, but you just need to figure out some of these things. The second thing I'm going to say is, you know, she said 80% of business fail. And you might be like, well, what's the point? Mm. Here's the point. Put it, if you have the passion to drive, try it, do it. Because even if you fail, you will learn. I learned so much from podcasting and how I will use that in the future, whether it's in another business, another job, I don't know, but I will use that information. So it is never a complete wash and it doesn't mean you can't try again. You learn, you grow, you rebuild. So just, Take that to heart. And that, those are my final two parting thoughts. So. Yeah. That, that last one is, is so good. Because, yes, tw- let's say 20% of business, I'm sorry, 80% of businesses fail, but 20% succeed. That doesn't mean, and I promise you, the people that are the 20 percenters, they were in the 80%. Before. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've taken, and, and I'm one of those, they've taken what they've learned from businesses that failed, and they're applying those lessons to a business that's succeeding. Okay, yep. so you have to fail to succeed. You gotta. You yes. gotta get some lessons under your belt. So yes, a hundred times to what Nikki said, you have no idea how you're going to apply the lessons that you learn to your future, whether it's for a business or for another part of your life. All right. All right. So Nikki, thank you so much for spending some time on the podcast with us. 
Kelly, once again, you were greatly missed. I can't wait mm-hmm. to um, get you back on the next uh, recording, but um, be looking forward to hearing Nikki's voice on the Refresh Life podcast in future episodes. So thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks Hit us up on me. our socials. Uh, I'll have all of Nikki's um, connection points on the show notes. You guys stay refreshed. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Refreshed Life podcast. If you heard anything that encouraged, inspired, or served you in any way, please take a moment to leave a review and a rating in order to help us share our message with other women just like you. You can find Kelly and me on our socials at Kell of a Story and Refreshed Moms. If you're looking for simple tips to make working from home with your kids easier to manage, go grab my top 10 productivity hacks for moms at refreshmoms.com forward slash top 10 hacks. Let's connect again soon, all right? Bye for now.